All right, welcome back to the show. Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay. I have to say before we start, yeah, I've never been happier to be in your office here. So usually I, I talk about it in disparaging tones. It's basically a broom closet in the bottom of the bowels of the legislature. But I just discovered after walking around the legislature, this is the, actually the coolest in terms of temperature in the entire building. I don't know what you've got going here. It's very it's actually- cool. Yeah, we're very comfortable down here in the basement of the legislature in Victoria because it is wicked hot outside. Just down the hall in the dining room, it's... it's- it's is it hot lot, down there? A lot warmer there than it is here. So okay. you've, got, you've got the best office for, for a couple days, which I never thought I'd ever say something like I that. I might sleep here tonight, actually. I'm thinking about <laughs> I'm it. I'm not sure there's enough room for that. <laughs> okay. Speaking of heat, um, we had some uh, vaccine clinics mm-hmm. uh, actually shut down because of the heat. So I'm looking at Fraser Health. On Saturday afternoon, they actually shut down a vaccine clinic in Abbotsford because of the high heat. And actually, then, seven. Uh, yeah, and then clinics. they and then they closed down six more. Yeah, yeah. seven clinics in Fraser. Uh, so that includes. I just went through the list: Burnaby, the Christine Sinclair Center. The there's one in Coquitlam that's been cl- uh, closed, and the or or the hours are curtailed. Some of them are closed outright. They might or, close or, early, like yeah. around noon. Uh, again, just not set up to withstand this heat. Also on Vancouver Island, uh, the one here in the Squamalt, Archie Browning Center has been closed. There's one in Ladysmith. Gabriel Island, uh, Langford, um, from John Horgan's writing, has also been uh, closed wow. as well. So it's obviously going to, I haven't got the numbers yet, but I assume that's going to impact the number of vaccinations. We've been doing, you know, 50,000 a day, 60,000 a day, less so on weekends, but you've got to figure the numbers are way down as a result of these closures. Interestingly, no closures yet that I've seen in Vancouver Coastal or the interior. Northern Health, all the drive through clinics have been shut down. Okay, very interesting. We'll see how that impacts the vaccine rollout here in the days ahead as we get through this heat wave. It could be record hot once again today. And it's a big week on the vaccine rollout, right? Because we've got, uh, we're heading hopefully to phase three, step Step, three, step step three. On Canada Day, July 1st, this Thursday, that's when uh, step three begins. So what could we see later this week in terms of the reopening? So a couple of things. Today we're going to have a briefing, a regular Monday briefing from Dr. Bonnie Henry and Health Minister Adrian Dix. They'll be presenting some epidemiological uh, modeling, which they do from time, which will show the projections of where we're expected to be at as a result of going to step three, which will be announced on Tuesday at a news conference in the afternoon, uh, led by Premier John Horgan, Health Minister Adrian Dix, Dr. Bonnie Henry, and Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth, who will announce the state of emergency will no longer be extended for the first time in 15 months or so. And that sets the stage for the Thursday, July 1st, Step 3. So Step 3 means you can travel anywhere in Canada. Masks are recommended but not mandatory. You can gather in larger numbers in both indoor and outdoor gatherings. You can have, there's no limits on dining. You can have a dozen people at your table. Let's let's listen to a little bit of Dr. Bonnie Henry on this precise point, talking about what we're going to see this Thursday. By July, we can have increased capacity, and this will look different for us. We can have organized gatherings with a safety plan, both indoors and outdoors, with much larger capacity. And in the summer, we can have fairs and festivals with COVID safety plans in place to make sure that we can do that safely through the summer. Okay, so we still appear to be on track to hit that this Thursday. Yeah, I have no reason to think otherwise. And again, the key words there are safety plan. We're not going back to just, you know, 100,000 people at the P&E all in one day. There's going to be limits. They're going to have uh, spectators at indoor sports. There's going to be spectators at BC Lions games this summer, but it's not going to be a sellout crowd. We're going to have uh, uh, fewer people 
in the seats, spread out, but at least uh, there's going to be people attending them. Okay, let's talk a little politics here. It was interesting to see a brand new opinion poll just come out on BC Politics, and uh, this one from the Insights West Polling Company, and it shows John Horgan, the BC Premier's approval rating, drip, uh, dripping down a little bit here to 50% approval rating. Uh, people concerned about the handling of crime and public safety, housing prices, and the opioid crisis affecting his approval rating, but the governing NDP still with a comfortable lead there. Yeah, it's sort of a mixed bag. Uh, Steve Moss of the Insights West pollster describes it as the halo uh, is coming off the NDP government as uh, the political realities take over, but it still gets you know better than average marks on a number of things. John Horgan, any political leader will take 50% approval at oh, yeah. any day. Yeah. You know, um, and again, the poll shows one of the best things the NDP's got going is the lack of opposition. The Liberals are still going nowhere, as are the Greens. That's going to change. That will change down the road. I mean, we're going to get on the other side of this pandemic, and the Liberals will have a new leader, yeah. and then things are going and to that, change. That, then I think it will be much more competitive. But right now, no. it's still not competitive. Interestingly, on the COVID-19 response, um, Dr. Bonnie Henry is still riding very high in approval at 73%. Uh, that's, you know, uh, phenomenal. Uh, Adrian Dix is handling COVID-19 mm. is down a bit, still 65%. He's running ahead of his boss, John Horgan, who's at 56%. So maybe uh, maybe Dix is going to get taken to the woodshed by his leader. Okay, well, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, federal politics here. Let me play a clip here for you of Catherine McKenna, the federal infrastructure minister who has announced that she's not running again for re-election, which I think is another sign of a looming federal election call. Here she is. It was a difficult decision, but it's the right one for me and my family and it's the right time to make it. Like many Canadians, living through COVID-19 over a very long year made me step back and reflect on what matters to me most. It's quite simple. Two things, my kids and climate change. Federal Cabinet Minister Catherine McKenna not running for re-election, another sign of a fall election? Yeah, I'm not sure why she'd be talking about this unless she figured there wasn't there was going to be a a, a fall election. Yeah. yeah, so I think the the, the things are planted now. I think yeah. the seeds have been sown. The election is going to uh, happen. I look for a late August call, early September, and then a, a, a vote after that. Catherine McKenna, I have to say, she's one of the strongest ministers of that Trudeau government. She's held the environment portfolio, infrastructure. Yeah. So that's a bit of a blow to the Trudeau government to lose someone like that. Okay, I think there will be an election this fall as well. Let's uh, look on the other side of the pond here for some uh, politics. And the British health minister, oh, Matt yeah. Hancock, what a wild scandal this is. So he gets caught, he was kissing his assistant mm -hmm. in his office and it got caught on video. Yeah. And this is at the same, so he's breaking COVID protocol rules but it's gone beyond <laughs> that it's gone beyond that so labor now is, is is diving into this they're taking advantage i think of boris johnson government in a bit of trouble before this happened uh criticized for their handling of covid19 the response the reopening plans have been put on pause because the delta variant has suddenly taken root in that country they didn't uh, vaccinate young people until a relatively short time ago and that's where the variant has taken root so uh, the Labor Labor Party is exploiting this. They're finally seeing an opening, and now they're saying this has got nothing to do with COVID. It's raising questions about why was she on the public payroll? Did he put her oh. this this aid on the public payroll? Was she qualified to be there? Was this simply employing someone he's having an affair with? So it's gone beyond COVID nineteen. It's a juicy British uh, scandal. Tabloids are going crazy. Tabloids are going crazy, and it's going to be interesting to see what impact it has on the Johnson government. Here, here is Matt Hancock, the uh, the politician at the center of this storm. Here, the British Health Secretary, the Cabinet Minister, announcing he was resigning. 
I understand the enormous sacrifices that everybody in this country has made, that you have made, and those of us who make these rules have got to stick by them, and that's why I've got to resign. Okay, so it was another classic example of the do as I do as I say, not as I do. So he's telling people to maintain social distancing mm-hmm. while he's snogging, as the British put it, with his uh, with his assistant. Now it's interesting to see uh, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister. When this thing first broke, he tried to kind of ride it out, and he said it's case closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, this story's not going anywhere. Then the guy resigns as the pressure builds. And now Johnson, Boris Johnson, the prime minister, just in the last couple of hours in the UK, trying to say, well, actually, I fired him. So yeah. trying to take trying to take credit for firing the guy. Yeah, so this thing isn't over. It's not a one-time uh, event. Uh, it's got all sorts of layers to this thing. That, um, and a lot, of, a lot of the tensions, I think, in the UK have been built up for some time. I've been following it because of the, uh, the uh, parallels to Canada and BC. And what keep an eye on the Delta variant there. And everything's just exploding in Britain as a result of this. This has sort of triggered uh, a more general response than just him kissing his aide. Welcome back. Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry from Global News is my guest. And the phone lines are open to him. 604-280-9898. Star 9898 on your cell. Just before we take a couple of calls, my first guest this morning, Keith, was Rob Fleming, BC Transportation Minister. We talked about a couple of the key lower mainland transit projects that a lot of people want some action on. And that was the SkyTrain extension mm-hmm. to Langley and also replacing the chronically clogged Massey Tunnel. Do we build a new tunnel or a bridge? One of the two. And interestingly, he told me they're they're waiting on the feds. They're waiting for the federal government to put some money on the table. Well, what better going? time to to expect the feds to come through than election time? So I'm I'm very surprised that Justin Trudeau doesn't. And again, once we get an election, we're going to have a traditional campaign. It's not going to be a virtual campaign. I think you're going to see Justin Trudeau and other leaders actually fly around the country. Don't be surprised if Justin Trudeau shows up at a along that SkyTrain route or at the Massey Tunnel promising big bucks uh, should he get reelected. Yeah, now he was mentioning, the, the minister mentioned to me this morning, well, if you take a look at how much money is being splashed around elsewhere in the country, they just put $10 bucks on the table for Toronto and transit mm-hmm. there. They're paying for the Champlain Bridge in Montreal, the Gordie Howe Bridge to Detroit. Yep. And he's saying, where is our share of this money? And it's kind of... I don't know, a situation normal that, that that kind of money seems to get higher priority back east. But like you said, when, when there's an election on the line, there's some key seats here for Trudeau in, in, the, in BC that he wants to retain and maybe even pick up some seats in British oh, Columbia. Yeah, He'll no, be here with a check. Yeah, he, he, he wants to keep Carla Qualtrough's seat, for example. Right. Alta. It's, uh, no, transportation's a traditional vote getter. And look for some big checks, big man-sized checks to accompany the Trudeau <laughs> campaign. Okay, phone me now. Phone lines are open. 604-280-9898. Star 9898. On your cell. Benny in Abbotsford. Hey, Benny. Hello there. I'm really looking forward to the new things that we're going to be able to do July the 1st. In particular, the casinos. What oh, yeah. are we mm-hmm. going to do at the casinos? Is there going to be entertainment? Uh, can mm. we do m- more things than other play the slot machines? And when it mm-hmm. comes to nightclubs, are we going to be able to dance? Are they going to be able to have live music? Are we able to do karaoke? What I'd like to know that. Okay, good questions, Benny. Thank well, you. For first the call. of all, not sure about singing and karaoke. I can't profess to be up on that. But casinos are going to be allowed to reopen again with yeah. safety plans. Uh, interestingly enough, last year I, I was able to witness it before, or watch it before they took it off the off YouTube. But the BC Lottery Corp 
did a pretty uh, spiffy video last year how they would operate a casino safely. And it was basically every second slot machine was closed. You still right. pra- practice your social distancing. They had all these place, these rules in place to ensure casinos uh, open. Obviously, a lot of thought went into it, so I think they're dusting that off, and that'll be the blueprint going forward. It's not going to be you know mass crowds in a casino, but a fair number of people, again, employing measures to have uh, to make sure they adhere to a safety plan. And that's effective this Thursday, right? That's part of step yeah. three, opening casinos. And I spoke to an official from the BC Lottery Corporation on this earlier on the show, and we talked about some of the rules that people can expect to see. And it was, yes, some of the slot machines will be moved apart or some slot machines will be shut down so you're not sitting close to people. Uh, I think they're going to modify some of these table games so you don't Touch, yeah. touch the cards. I'm not. Sh- yeah, I don't know how you, I, I don't know I, how you play poker without touching your cards. Yeah, how do you how do you draw poker? How do you discard? Two how do you or play three? blackjack without? Touch- yeah, I don't know. It's uh, interesting. Also, bingo halls are going to open. Banquet halls are going to open again, subject to some safety plan rules. Okay, keep phoning me six zero four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight star ninety eight ninety eight on your cell. Sean in New West. Hey, Sean. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Hey, how do we change the system? in British Columbia, where right now I see uh, when a party takes over, they put their plan in order, they put their plan into into motion, only to see their opposition take control eventually and reverse most of the things. Now, I feel like there's no long-term way for a government to have like a mandate to do something that the people approve of. And no matter what party is in power, the mandate has to be followed and the project goes on because it's important. Are you talking about like Massey Tunnel, for example? Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay, so what happened with Massey Tunnel was the Liberals promised to build like a super bridge to replace the Massey Tunnel, and they actually started building it. Like they actually drove, I think they sunk some pilings, and they put, they put a big pile of sand next to the highway, and they actually started building this thing. The NDP got in and canceled it, or at least delayed it. Okay, and there's a lot of politics goes on because at that time, like I think both ridings at both ends of the Massey Tunnel were like liberal ridings. At that at that time, there's not too many examples of big infrastructure projects getting um, killed because of a changing government. Because usually the construction schedule is so far along, it's pointless. It costs more. Take Site C Dam for example. Uh, the NDP campaigned against that for years. They came in as government and realized, well, we're we're too far down the road on this thing. We're going to keep it going. So that would have been an example of uh, of of what the caller's talking about. We don't see too many examples of that. But the Massey Bridge, we only again, uh, the Liberals had taken baby steps in building that thing. It wasn't really, you know, in the air. Uh, it was really some pilings were were driven into the ground, and there were some piles of sand, and that was about it. Yeah, and well, we'll see where it goes from here because the NDP is still committed to replacing the Massey Tunnel. But like we said earlier, they're waiting for the feds to put some money on. Speaking of Site C Dam, where are we at with that project? And is that a bit of a ticking time bomb, do you think, for Horgan and his government if this thing continues to go off the rails and go over budget? Well, I'm not sure. You know, the Liberals are the ones who started this, and a lot of the problems associated with the dam date back to when the Liberals ran this thing. It wasn't, so I think it's going to be hard for the Liberals to make Site C stick. Interesting enough, uh, the, the revelation that it's $16 billion comes out in the middle of the pandemic and it hardly gets any notice from the general public. Where it's going to be more problematic for Horgan is if, if there suddenly develops some um, geological problems that cannot be fixed and turns this thing into a white elephant. We're not there yet. Every Friday I get the Site C construction bulletin update, which <laughs> explains exactly how many people are working there, how much work is being done. There's still an enormous amount of work being done there.